Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. It's the Valley. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Sports columnist, sports writer. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Oil for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. We have a very special edition of the Sunday Sports Shootout today, coming to you live from the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. It is Championship Sunday of Arch Madness. Loyola and Drake coming up at 1 o'clock. The game's on CBS. The great Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, Evan Washburn on the call. Going to get you ready for the big game. I've got a lot of sound to play. We're going to check the mailbag. I would say phone lines. The Twitter lines are open. If you want to chime in on the conversation, it has been a really fun tournament down here in St. Louis. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick Schultz. It is so great to be with you here from Enterprise Center. The first time I'm ever doing this. Thank you off the bat to Mike Kern and the Valley staff for helping accommodate and set this up. This has been a lot of fun so far. And of note, this is the first ever number three seed versus number four seed championship game in Arch Madness history. So we are going to witness history at 1 o'clock today between Loyola and Drake on CBS. Let's recap the tournament first. And again, if anyone wants to chime in on this conversation, reply to my tweet, DM me, however you want to get a hold of me. We're going to take some questions. I'm going to play a lot of sound for you from the press conferences this week. I went through, I have about five minutes worth of audio that I cut up for all of you. You're welcome. And I'm really, really excited about this game today. And we're going to talk at large chances for Loyola Chicago if it comes down to that. Right now, Joe Lenardi at ESPN has Loyola as the automatic qualifier in the Valley. That means the Valley would be a one-bid league and Loyola would be off the bubble. Now, with a loss today, a lot can change. And we're going to talk about those effects. But for right now, let's start with a recap of the tournament because it has been a really good weekend of basketball. I got down here on Friday, just in time for Loyola versus Bradley, so I missed the Thursday games. I watched them on TV. Well, I watched the first one on TV. Well, I watched the first half of the first one on TV. The Thursday games, there's a reason they're on Thursday. They're not the best games to watch. You had Illinois State, Indiana State. Illinois State came out on top. Valpo, Evansville, Valpo came out on top. They weren't exactly close. 
That meant Illinois State played Northern Iowa in the first game on Friday, the marathon day, four games in one day. I was driving down I-55, was not there for that game, but Northern Iowa obviously ended up winning that one pretty handily. The next game was Loyola-Bradley, which I thought was going to be the game of the weekend. I really did. I thought coming in, I thought it'd be two teams going punch for punch and just going back and forth all game. Instead, it was a blowout. It wasn't very close. It was I, I want to call it a letdown game because I just thought it'd be better competition from Bradley. And Loyola's defense stepped up, and there's a big reason for that I'm going to get to here in a little bit. Loyola 66, Bradley 50. The other big game that day because Missouri State took on Valpo, and it was a good game for a while, and then Missouri State pulled away. Southern Illinois Drake was actually a two-point game at halftime. Drake had a two-point lead, but then – the Bulldogs pulled away, ended up winning 65-52. to Southern went on a nasty scoreless streak, and that kind of doomed the Salukis a little bit. So that set up a 1-2-3-4 seed semifinal for the fifth time in tournament history. That's courtesy of Mike Mayon, who's just a stat guru at this tournament. 1-2-3-4 yesterday in the semifinals. You had Loyola Northern Iowa, which if you're having deja vu, I talked about Loyola Northern Iowa last week. That was the last game of the regular season in Cedar Falls when Northern Iowa came out on top in overtime. This time around, though, things were a little bit different. First of all, Loyola had Marquise Kennedy back, and Marquise made an instant impact on Loyola. I can tell you that on both ends of the court. I talked about it on Twitter, and I got, I've got a lot to say about Marquise's return here in a little bit. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But Loyola, Northern Iowa, Northern Iowa in the second half. This is a mind-blowing stat. And I, I'm not even exaggerating. Northern Iowa did not make a field goal for the last 15 minutes and 12 seconds. Let me say that again. 15, 1, 5 minutes and 12, 1, 2 seconds. I have no idea if that was a tournament record. I've been meaning to ask and didn't. But that was a really rough stretch, but they got to the free throw line quite a bit, and I know people are going to talk about the officiating. I understand there was an officiating change at halftime. Gene Grimshaw got hurt. Roland Simmons came in. They let him play in the first half. The second half, it was a different story to a point, and Drew Valentine had a really interesting quote about that that I'm going to play for you here in a little while. But anyway, great defense from Loyola. Final score, Loyola 66, Northern Iowa 43. It was a blowout. And then Drake, Missouri State. This was the game of the weekend, and I don't think it's particularly close. Two teams going punch for punch like I thought Loyola Bradley was going to be. They went back and forth. They were two really good teams, two explosive offenses, and they ended up going to overtime. Final score of that one was Drake 79, Missouri State 78, thanks to two huge free throws from Tucker DeVries, the freshman, MVC freshman of the year, two huge free throws in overtime to give the Bulldogs the win, to send them to the championship game where they're going to match up with Loyola for the second straight year. The second straight year it has been Loyola Drake in the Arch Madness title game. And the big thing about this Drake team and what – happened with them in the tournament their first game against southern that was a defensive display 
And, I mean, there was no offense, really, in the first half. I mean, Southern Illinois plays great defense, obviously. They're led by Brian Mullins, former Valley Defensive Player of the Year, former Porter Moser assistant. He preaches defense. That is not unexpected, and that is not a knock. But when you're in a tournament like this, in the 8:30 game, the 8:30 game is huge on Friday. That I cannot tell you how important that is, because in Drake's case, now you play at 8:30 on Friday, then you play at five o'clock on Saturday, then you turn around and play at one o'clock on Sunday. That is three games in 48 hours, if my math is right. That is insane, and I asked Darren DeVries about that and how he's going to keep his team fresh in these types of grinded-out games is how I like to put it, and you're going to hear the end of my question because I really like Darren's answer to this. How do you bounce back from that when you've got to play another game tomorrow and potentially another game the next day? You rest next week. I mean, that's uh, there's uh, this time of year. You just let the adrenaline take you as far as you can get it, and that's um, that's uh, our guys' mindset. Um, you know, I I know they won't be thinking about anything other than trying to win uh, the game tomorrow. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll go back. We'll get uh, you know some fluids in us and get some rest and and uh, get ready for a quick turnaround. Obviously, uh, you know, the late late night game is is tough. You got to get get to sleep uh, as soon as you can here. So that was Darren DeVries, head coach of Drake. And I really like that answer, rest next week, because that's really what it comes down to here. You know, there's an NCAA tournament appearance on the line. And depending on what happens, I don't know what's going to be lying ahead for Drake, especially if they lose today to Loyola. Again, that game coming up at 1 o'clock. I don't know if the season's going to continue if they lose. So... From that standpoint, you've got to look at this as, okay, you're playing to win this weekend. You're not worried about – you've got to make sure you can rest in the hotel and get your workouts in – or workouts – get your practices in, your walkthroughs. That's what it's all about this weekend. I, I love the rest next week mentality. Like, I really enjoyed that answer from Darren, and that you couldn't hear it, but, I mean, some of us chuckled in the audience because that was a perfect answer from Darren DeVries. So again, Loyola Drake today, the big thing for Drake coming into this tournament, they're down DJ Wilkins. And DJ Wilkins is an important player on offense and defense for the Bulldogs. And going through their rotation last night, let me pull up the live stats for you. I want to pull up the box score to make sure I get this right. Because they had guys play a lot of minutes. They had a lot of minutes played last night. And... That is huge with three games in three days, and in this case, three games in 48 hours. Less than 48 hours, actually. Last night against Missouri State, now remember, this game went to overtime. Shanquan Hemphill, 41 minutes. Garrett Sturz, 42 minutes. Roman Penn, 40 minutes. Tucker DeVries, 39 minutes. Tramel Murphy, 38 minutes. Darnell Brody, 11 minutes. So realistically here, Darren DeVries was rolling with a six-man rotation, it looks like, and Tucker got into foul trouble. Jamel Murphy got into foul trouble. All of the starters had three fouls. So I'm going to butcher these names. Iowa Akinwole, I believe, played five minutes off the bench. 
and I think it's Okai Jamgus. I'm, that one I probably butchered. He played seven minutes. Now, let's go back to that game against Southern Illinois. That game, again, the 8.30 game on Friday is brutal. Shanquan Hemphill, 39 minutes. Garrett Sturts, 35 minutes. Roman Penn, 34 minutes. Tucker DeVries, 30 minutes. And Tramel Murphy played 26. He got into foul trouble in that game, too. So the big one last night, they got into a lot of minutes. Those are going to be some tired legs today. Without DJ Wilkins, it's going to be tough. And Darren talked about this later. I'll play that quote here in a little while. Marquise Kennedy is back for Loyola. And I cannot tell you how big of a difference it makes, not just from an offensive standpoint, because we can I, I tweeted this yesterday. We can talk about that all day, what he brings on offense and how impactful he is from an energy standpoint on that end of the floor. We need to talk about on defense because he was very vocal on defense yesterday. And that was a staunch defensive performance from Loyola against Northern Iowa. That is a really good Northern Iowa team against the best scorer in the league in A.J. Green. Yes, Antonio Reeves led the league, but from a pure scoring standpoint, A.J. Green is the best in the league. They held him to 13 points. And anyway, there was a play that stood out, and it was when I tweeted it. There was a play where Northern Iowa was trying to move the ball around to create something. Marquise moved up to guard. I forget which player it was, but Ryan Schwieger came up with him, and I heard Keyes call out something to the effect of, no, no, get back, get back, because Noah Carter was trying to make a back cut. He was in the corner, so Schwieger went back. Carter got the ball, tried driving in, ended up throwing it out of bounds. It broke up the possession. Intangibles matter, and that's what Marquise Kennedy brings to the table for Loyola. Yes, he's great on offense. He was plus 21 in that game against Bradley. That's big. He... That means, so what that means is plus 21. That means he made a difference of 21 points. I believe that's how that works for Loyola. And Lucas Williamson, who I have to give credit to, he, uh, I got to give him credit for the shout out in the press conference. I haven't seen Lucas in a couple years, at least in person. And I, I don't think he knew I was coming. And he, he, Gave me one of those, it's good to see you, into the microphone of the press conference, and I, I appreciated the shout-out. And he went on to give an answer about Marquise Kennedy's return, and this is this is why I asked Lucas about this. Because Lucas, obviously, team leader, defensive player of the year. He's gonna, you're going to remember that name, whether it be in basketball or somewhere else. He's, he's going places. And I asked Lucas about what it means to have Marquise Kennedy back, and here's his answer to that. Yeah, I mean, having Marquise out there, I mean, he just brings a different energy with him. I mean, he's, you know, one of our top athletes on the team. Um, and when he's locked in, we're just a completely different team. And, and it was good to see him out there and doing his thing. That was after the Bradley game. And then yesterday, he wasn't as impactful in the box score. But I go back to the intangibles. People are so concerned. Points, rebounds, assists, steals, plus minus. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage, whatever. The stuff that makes Marquise Kennedy special, the reason Loyola missed Marquise Kennedy like they did, is because of what he did on defense. He was guarding A.J. Green for a bit of that game, and he did a fantastic job because he's so athletic. And the other point to that is having Marquise in the rotation again gives 
Braden Norris a little bit of a breather, and I love being able to tweet out the Pat McAfee quote from the NCAA tournament last year where he talked about the Loyola Chuck Norris dude being a walking, talking bucket. And Braden yesterday, he talked about, and I don't know why I'm not seeing this quote in here. I know I cut it up for you. But basically, Braden brought up how it gives him a break. It allows him to take a breather, and that was important yesterday. So I read you off the minutes that Drake played against Missouri State in the overtime game. Here's how Loyola fared against Northern Iowa. Braden Norris, Lucas Williamson both played 30 minutes, about average. Ahir Ugwak, 27 minutes, 28 minutes. Tate Hall, 26 minutes. Chris Knight, 13 minutes. He had a rough game yesterday, but he was he impacted in other ways. That's what, he, that's what I like about this team. Marquise Kennedy, 22 minutes. Ryan Schwieger, 25 minutes. Tom Welch, 16 minutes. He's playing really well. It looked like he got hurt. We got an update from Drew Valentine as well. I'll talk about that here probably in the second half hour. But that's a big disparity in minutes, and that's why Loyola's going to have fresher legs in addition to the fact that they played the earlier game and didn't play in overtime. So having Marquise Kennedy back from that standpoint and also Braden Norris yesterday for the record, 19 points, 7 of 10 shooting, 4 of 6 from the field. At one point, I think at halftime, he was 5 for 5, 3 for 3. He balled out yesterday. And I, like I said, I love being able to tweet out that McAfee quote. So I've recapped the tournament for you. Let's talk the bubble. Because you cannot bank on Loyola winning this game today. I mean, that's just the nature of this tournament. I know I talk about Drake having tired legs. They played the 830 game. It's brutal. They're going to be tired. That's going to happen. You got that. I got that sense from Darren DeVries as well. So if things don't go as planned today, and Ken Palm predicts Loyola wins this game 70-65, to by the way, we need to start talking about the bubble and Loyola's resume. And I did get a question in here in the mailbag, which is still open, by the way. If you want to chime in, respond to my tweet, tweet me, DM me, however you want to get a hold of me, besides calling me, because I still can't take calls, especially since we're remote live from the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. I got a tweet here from my buddy who I saw last night, my good friend, Blaze Radosevich. Ooh, it was great seeing Blaze last night. Total, total chance. I saw him in a his cousin Malcolm, two good friends of mine from college. And I walked to go get my dinner, and I got a pizza from Maggie O'Brien's, which, by the way, Blaze, eight and a half out of ten, probably a nine because I was really hungry. And I saw them, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was great to see them last night. And he chimes in here as loyal and at-large NCAA team, even with a loss today. And he wanted that full review of the pizza. So you heard me, 8.5 out of ten, probably a nine because I was really, really hungry. Well, their resume is interesting. Loyola's resume is they, they played Auburn close. They beat Arizona State. They played Michigan State close. Actually, played Michigan State closer than Auburn. Uh, they beat DePaul. They beat San Francisco. Uh, DePaul was on the road. They beat San Francisco on a neutral court. They got a Q2, Quadrant 2 win yesterday over Northern Iowa, which is big. As of this morning... And this was as of 10.15 this morning. This is from 
my guy Zach Miller over at the Loyola Phoenix. Shout out to my Phoenix crew, by the way. They're doing work this weekend. you got to read them. Loyola's 25th in the net. Yesterday they were 29th and 24 in Ken Palm. So they're a top 25 net team, top 25 Ken Palm team. With their resume, and I want to look at what they have in Q2, Q1, Q2 wins, which let me put that in perspective for you. Quadrant 1 teams are the best teams in college basketball. Quadrant 2 are up there, and it depends on home court, road, road games. There's a lot that goes into it. Loyola this year is 2-2 two and two in Quadrant 1 games, 5-4 and four in Quadrant 2 games. So combined, that is a 7-6 and six record against Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2. That said, based on the names that they've kept up with, and I, I look at the Auburns, the Michigan States, that's why the battle for Atlantis was so important for this team, and I talked about that at the time. I think this team should be an at-large team if they lose today. Basically, it, it helps that they've dominated the first two games here. I mean, both wins by double digits yesterday over the team that won the league. They won by 23 points. That's huge in the metrics. And before the tournament, I asked Drew Valentine on the pre-tournament Zoom call, what I don't want to say, I didn't want to say sales pitch, but it's kind of a sales pitch. I asked him straight out, what would your message to the committee be if it comes down to an at-large bid? And he gave a lengthy, he gave a better answer than I thought he would. I wasn't sure he was even going to answer this question. And he gave a fantastic answer on the Zoom call. Let's listen. I mean, I think our, our, our numbers are, 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 you know, show where we're at in the country. I mean, we're not, you know, uh, 27 in Kent. I think we're, we're going to be 27 or 29 in Kent. 29 and then in 30 in the net, 31 in the net. So when you, when, when your metrics show that, uh, you know, you're a top, you know, 30 uh, team in the country, um, regardless of what your record is. I mean, I think that that, that shows that, that you belong. I mean, we've, you know, played Auburn really close. We've, you know, beat San Francisco. We, you know, obviously lost on the last second to you know, Michigan State, but we beat Vanderbilt. We beat DePaul, who just took down Marquette by double figures last night um, at, at at DePaul at their place. And so I think we've shown that that we belong, we matter. Um, and then for a majority of our conference season, you know, we, we had a starting guard out, Marquise Kennedy. I mean, I think if, you know, a, a lot of teams, regardless of what league you're in, if you lose one of your starters for you know, Marquise only played nine of nine of the conference games, not nine out of the 18. And so um, that made a difference for us with our depth. And um, I think, you know, he, he's shown that, you know, obviously he can take over games and, you know, not having him hurt us in some of those situations. So I would say the combination of where our metrics are at, uh, what we've proven. I mean, we only have one quad three loss. So the, the, it's not like the rest of our losses are bad by any means. And half of our, you know, conference was without Marquise Kennedy. So I think uh, it's a pretty easy sell if you ask me. I think he's absolutely right. I think, and by the way, I looked in the middle of his answer, and I didn't have the heart to correct him at the time. Uh, Loyola was 31st in both the net and Ken Palm. But I think the resume speaks for itself. I think this team should be, should is the key word there, because – as we know, I think back to my freshman year in 2017, Illinois State got hosed, should have been an at-large team. They weren't, and we've seen what happened to that program since. Dan Muller is out. 
I believe I'm gonna I think he's I think he's pronounced Ryan Peden. He was the top assistant for Chris Holtman at Ohio State. He is in as head coach. That came out probably an hour. It that was a, it was announced about an hour and a half after Illinois State lost to Northern Iowa. It was reported by CBS Sports about 20 minutes afterward. So I'm not going to guarantee an at-large bid. There's just no way to guarantee it. But I think the resume speaks for itself. Like Drew said, I, I think Loyola can make a really convincing case to be an at-large team in this year's tournament. Especially considering the names that they've gone up against. It's not like they played Q1 games against... I don't want to say no names, but they played Q1 games against Flashes in the Pan. They played Auburn, Michigan State. They knocked the doors off Arizona State. They beat the league champion by 23 points in the conference tournament. This team has a resume. And if it comes down to an at-large bid today, and again, the game today is at 1 o'clock from right here at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, I think this team has a really strong case to be an at-large team. I was really looking forward to talking about that, too. Steve Timble, friend of the show, big Loyola fan, he writes in, let's talk about Tom Welch. You know, let's talk about Tom Welch. I'm always down to talk about Tom Welch because he has taken such a leap this year. You know, I remember saying last year that I was worried about how he'd do after his freshman year it was okay. But last year, he, he didn't exactly, I don't want to say didn't take a leap, but you saw some flashes. This year, especially down the stretch, he has been essential to this Loyola team's success. And he played big minutes yesterday, and it's important to note, Jacob Hudson only played yesterday because Tom took a hard fall and went back to the locker room before coming back in. So it was Welch and Chris Knight against Austin Fife. And let me tell you, Austin Fife. so I have a front row seat on press row. I've sat right behind Gage Prim, who I ended up seeing at the hotel last night. And I saw Austin Fife. Some of these big guys, they are scary. And Austin Fife, I would not want to defend that man. Tom Welch and Chris Knight did a fantastic job. And watching Tom's development, it has been amazing. And I think he has become, I go back to my intangibles here, from a small ball lineup rotation, because that's what he is. He's a small ball center. He plays the five in that small lineup. You can push the tempo. And that's what Loyola did against Bradley. They matched up really well against Rink Mast. Because Jacob Hudson didn't play. And I asked Drew straight out. I asked him about Huddy. Was that matchups? And it was. Because putting Jacob Hudson in there against Rink Mast and Ari Boya. Not a good matchup. You want to. Push the tempo. You want a fast-paced offense. And that's what Loyola ran the last two days. And it helps that Chris Knight at the five is small. Tom Welch at the five is small. I hear Ugwak has played the five. That's a small lineup. I really like that. And I think today that's going to be interesting too. You've got Darnell Brody. You've got Tank Hemphill. It's not going to be an easy defensive matchup. But that said, with the way Tom Welch is playing especially, He's a huge lift off the bench. That takes some of the burden off Chris Knight. And I, I told you, Chris Knight had a rough game yesterday. And that's okay. Those happen. They did. Northern Iowa did a fantastic job on him. He went 0 for 3 from the floor. He didn't score a point. 
But I still think he did some good things. He had two blocks. He had two blocks, five rebounds. Four offensive rebounds. And Tommy Welch, by the way, seven points yesterday, four rebounds, three of them on the offensive end, and two steals. He was a plus 20 off the bench. Awesome lift off the bench. I really love what I'm seeing from Tom Welch. And I've talked about this with a couple people. And I have an interesting idea. That's the best way to put it. It's an interesting idea I have. Riddle me this. Tom Welch at the four and Jacob Hudson at the five. I don't think that's going to happen today. Too much too much going on with the senior leadership and the way the the way things are shaking out. There's it that's not going to happen today. But what would we think about Tom Welch at the 4 and Jacob Hudson at the 5? I'm thinking next year. I'm thinking ahead. I think that'd be great. With the way Tommy's playing, which, by the way, did you know he used to play soccer in high school? I think they've said that on every broadcast this year, that he was Gatorade Player of the Year at Naperville North. I really, really love seeing Tom Welch's development, especially this year. And I think he solidified himself as that small ball five, and that will allow Drew Valentine to push that tempo. That's when Loyola plays its best. When they can get downhill – when they can get down the floor, pace and space, it is awesome to watch. I told people yesterday, that first half against Northern Iowa, I had flashbacks. I had flashbacks of 2018. And I told the, the crew from the Loyola Phoenix and Rambler Sports Locker that are here because they, were they weren't in, in school for the Final Four run. And I told them, guys, this was every night in 2018. They did this every game. They'd get Downhill, they'd push the tempo, they'd be draining threes, they'd play great defense on the other end. I say again, 15 minutes they held Northern Iowa without a field goal, and I have a fun soundbite for you from Drew Valentine that I'm going to play here. After I remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, Chicago Sound Alliance broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University Chicago. This show is coming to you live from the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, home of Arch Madness Championship Sunday. Drake Loyola coming up at 1 o'clock on CBS. Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, Evan Washburn on the call. Should be a good game. Keep sending in those questions. Nick Schultz underscore 7 on Twitter. Unfortunately, I still can't take calls. But still, I want to talk Loyola basketball and Valley basketball. I want Valley fans to chime in too. Let's talk Valley basketball. I had a great time last night. I went over to the Loyola team hotel and... I was planning to meet some friends. They, they didn't end up making it. So I ended up just sitting there with some Loyola fans. And shout out to, to Patrick, to Ryan, to Nicole, to Bill. They were awesome to talk basketball with. I really, really enjoyed it. Just standing there at a bar. We had a few drinks. We were talking basketball. It was awesome. Great to interact with the Loyola fans face-to-face. That's the, that's the great part about this tournament is interacting with the fans and seeing a lot of people, meeting new people. That was a blast last night. So, let's go back to defense. Loyola's defense, that's their, that's their calling card, is what I call it. It has been since Drew Valentine arrived on campus in 2018. Because, yes, his first year here was 2018. So, let me put it to you this way. And we can do the correlation causation thing. 
Drew Valentine has now been here 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21, 21, 22. I believe this is five. Did I miss a year in there? It's either five or it's five years since Drew took over. And he was an assistant coach, and he obviously took over as head coach this year. This is the third time in five years Loyola's in the championship game. I'm just saying. Yesterday they held the league champion Northern Iowa without a field goal for 15 minutes and 12 seconds. That is insane. So I, I asked Drew about this in the press conference. And Braden Norris was in there as well. You're going to hear his voice in here. This was a fantastic quote from Drew Valentine. And anyone who says having a young staff isn't fun is wrong. Drew is hysterical in these pressers. And this answer pretty much sums up how he is. You held Northern Iowa without a field goal for the last 15 minutes and change. What was working for you during that time? My players. I mean, they bought in. They play with toughness. They're good. Um, huh? Oh, 15 minutes? Hell yeah. It's, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I don't even get the stat sheets anymore. I'm just like out there coaching. I'll be like, how many turnovers do we have? Like, um, but these guys, I mean, you don't win games unless you got good players. And we got a locker room full of them. And our culture, I believe, is very strong. And um, they, when they play with a competitive edge, we're pretty good defensively. And so I would say a combination of all those things. First of all, I deserve that when I asked what was working for you and he said our players. I absolutely deserve that. But the answer in there, when, when Braden's sitting there, I watched him. I, I, if, I could have, if I could show you the video, I would. I might tweet it out today. When Braden sat there and I, I saw the look on his face, it's like 15 minutes. You hear him, he goes, 15 minutes, that's pretty good. And the hell yeah from Drew, I, I love that. And he also had some other, when he walked in, we heard him walk in, and there was, he was having fun. Drew was in a really good mood yesterday. And I, I've never seen Drew in a bad mood. But Drew Valentine in a press conference is so different from Porter Moser, and it's not a bad thing. No, Porter was great. The thing with Porter, whenever you talk to him, you'd get a soundbite. I mean, it didn't matter. Win, lose, draw, blowout win, blowout loss, whatever. You were going to get a quote. And with Drew, the vibes are different. Like, I mean, Porter Porter had fun. He would be – he'd answer your question. He'd make a joke when he needed to. Drew was just out there. The vibe I get from Drew Valentine is, I'm 30 years old and I'm a head coach. We're having fun. And the attitude is winning is fun. Well, yesterday they won, so they're having fun. Which I told, I told a couple of the coaches, I'm like, yo, put that on a T-shirt. Winning is fun. Because that's true. And this team is just having so much fun. I caught up with a couple of them yesterday after the game, and I told them, like, you guys are just having too much fun out there. And that quote in the press conference pretty much sums up how Drew Valentine is as a person this year, and I really, really enjoy it. And he's also in these press conferences. I talked about Porter giving good quotes. Well, Drew gave one of his own yesterday. So the big storyline the last time Loyola played Northern Iowa. 
And we talked about it on the show last week. You can go check out the podcast, by the way, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or just go to the Anchor feed. Last week, we talked about the officiating briefly, because I know Loyola fans were unhappy about the officiating, and I think rightfully so. But yesterday, in the first half, I thought it was a very well-officiated game. And I say that, and I told people this last night. Half the arena would boo and the other half would cheer at calls, but it wasn't always one half booing and one half cheering. There'd be a call where the Northern Iowa fans would boo, the Loyola fans would cheer. There'd be another call, the Loyola fans would boo, the Northern Iowa fans would cheer. That, to me, and I told people this on Press Row, that, to me, is the sign of a well-officiated game. If one side is cheering and the other side is booing the entire time, that's a problem. But the fact that both sides were equally cheering and booing in the first half, they were John Higgins and company, they let them play yesterday in that first half. It was a stark contrast to the last time they played at Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. Because remember, we talked about it on the air, all the free throws that Northern Iowa shot. A.J. Green shot 18 free throws in that game. Loyola shot 20 as a team. We talked about that aspect. Well, yesterday, Drew had... This was, a, this was right after the quote about the 15-minute field goal stretch. And here's what Drew had to say about that first half and why Loyola was able to have so much success against Northern Iowa and have an electric offense through that first 20 minutes. And just really listen to what he says and how he says it. I, th- I think we were, like, in their bodies. I thought we were allowed to play with more physicality. Um, yeah. I, you know, we were getting old, we were getting through ball screens, we were switching, and um, our, so I guess our discipline, you know, we were just, we were playing with more physicality, um, we were allowed to, and um, it was, uh, and then guys, I thought we, um, I mean, the worst thing I think we did was probably rebound. I thought they, I mean, they had nine second chance points, but it just seemed like they were getting their hands on everything. So we got to be better. These next two um, opponents, Drake and, and Missouri State, both, we know they both crashed the glass extremely hard. So we got to rebound better tomorrow, but we got to continue to play with the same physicality, aggression, and um, um, commitment and competitive edge. So you heard the, uh, the emphasis in there on allowed to play with more physicality. I just thought that was the, I, I just wanted to play that because I, I could have read you that quote. All of these quotes, I could have read that to you. You needed to hear it. So yeah, I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit from Drew Valentine's press conference yesterday. 20 minutes left in the show here. Again, we're broadcasting live from the Enterprise Center here in St. Louis, home of Arch Madness. Great to be with you here. We got people chiming in on Twitter. Keep the tweets coming at Nick Schultz underscore seven. We're going to talk more about the at-large. I'm going to preview the game today in the last 15 minutes. We're going to spend that as a total preview of today's championship game. Number three seed, Drake. Number four seed, Loyola. First time ever at Arch Madness. A three seed is facing the four seed in the tournament championship. We're going to preview that here in about five minutes. I've got more thoughts that I want to get to. You're going to hear more from Darren DeVries as well. But I've got a couple in here. I've got a DM and I've got a tweet, and they go kind of hand in hand. My guy, Sam Flores, says, Nick, how do you feel about an at-large bid if we lose? I did talk about that earlier, but we'll talk about it again here because Buck Wargo is chiming in now via Twitter and my, and my replies here. 
He says, Jerry Palm has Loyola out with a loss, but, he, but Buck disagrees. They get special consideration for Kennedy losses and COVID impact. Yes, without Marquise Kennedy, that's huge. And the COVID impact, I talked about that at the time. They had that, they had that bout with COVID. That knocked out a couple games. And then their next couple opponents got COVID and were out a couple games. So at one point, they went, what, three weeks without a game? Because it was Christmas break in there, too. So Jerry Palm has Loyola out with a loss. Now, I told you, Joe Lenardi has Loyola as the automatic qualifier now. And when I say that, this is just for the casual college basketball fan. Every conference tournament, the team that wins the conference tournament gets an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Murray State was the first team to lock up an NCAA tournament bid last night. Now, Loyola and Drake are going to try to get in today as the automatic qualifier. But there's a chance for multiple bids. Last year, we had a two-bid valley with these two teams in the same scenario, Loyola and Drake. I don't think Drake gets in with a loss. I just don't, I, I don't see it. I think the Valley's best hope for a two-bid league, in this case, would have been Loyola, Missouri State. And, and I'm saying a team other than Loyola getting in, I should say. Missouri State would have had a shot at another at another bid, but they lost last night, so that's out of the equation now. But I could see it going either way in terms of an at-large bid. I would give Loyola the bid, and that, again, I'm, I still – I cannot get past – I don't know if I'll ever get past 2017. That Illinois State team, Mikhail McIntosh, Paris Lee – that team was unreal, and I'm missing a couple dudes that were on that team as well. They deserved an NCAA bid. They didn't get it. Now, it was a different, I want to say it was a different era. It was only a few years ago, but that was before the net came around. That was the old RPI. The RPI was a flawed metric. The net is in. It seems like it's trying to be a little more progressive in terms of getting those mid-majors some bids. I know Drake got that bid last year. I'm not a bracketologist. I try not to be because I tend to be wrong. I leave that to my guys, Joe Lenardi. And I know Kevin Sweeney, my guy at Sports Illustrated, does that. I leave it to Jerry Palm. But if it's me looking at the resume, I agree with Drew Valentine. The resume speaks for itself. So I would put Loyola in. And I think with Marquise Kennedy being out as long as he was in those conference games... Seeing the difference he's made once he comes back, you got to look. Was it Adam Schefter that said it? Somebody used to say, "Use my best two tools to evaluate somebody to evaluate a team." My left eye, my right eye. And my the eye test says Marquise Kennedy makes a big enough impact where you have to consider his absence. This Loyola team lost to Northern Iowa in overtime one week ago without Marquise Kennedy. They come in exactly seven days later and beat them by 23 points. The difference, Marquise Kennedy. And, in fact, let's talk about the differences in that game because A.J. Green talked about the differences that he saw because A.J. only scored 13 points, didn't have his best day from the field. And here's what A.J. Green had to say about what adjustments Loyola made yesterday against Northern Iowa. And I'm going to tie this into how things affect today's game against Drake. Uh, they changed up how they guarded the ball screen a little bit. Um, 
you know, really forced me to give it up. Um, so, I mean, they obviously had a great game plan coming in. They're a great team. So just trying to, throughout the game, you know, how are we going to go to attack that then? And, um, I mean, we had a, we got in the paint and made plays from there and just missed some shots. So it's not really a matter of us not f- figuring out what to do. We kind of just didn't execute everything. So you heard the adjustments Loyola made. They guarded A.J. a little differently. That helped. But again, having Marquise out there, he's, a, he's an underrated defender. You know, Marquise Kennedy's defensive ability does not get enough attention. Like, we can talk all we want about offense, and we have, and I can continue to talk about that, and I will going into my preview of this game today. But on defense, he is so, he's so athletic, he's so vocal, and he's a big reason why they were able to stop A.J. Green. I can't count the amount of times yesterday I sat there and A.J. Green had pulled up for what looked like an open shot after some tough defense, and I said, there's A.J., and he missed. At one point, he was one for seven. Loyola did a fantastic job, and that's also a credit to Lucas Williamson, who Drew Valentine also shouted out this was unprompted. Yesterday, after the Northern Iowa game, this was unprompted from Drew Valentine. And here's what he had to say about Lucas Williamson being recognized for his defense. Now, remember, he was Missouri Valley Defensive Player of the Year for the second year in a row. Here's what Drew Valentine said. Again, Lucas Williamson is robbed because he's not in the Naismith, whatever, defensive player of the year. I mean, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. He, he, he needs to be on that list. That was unprompted. That was after an answer from, I believe it was Ryan Schwieger, Braden Norris. It was one of those two guys who was in the press conference. But Drew said that unprompted about the defensive success yesterday. And he said that about, Drew, about Lucas Williamson. So I just thought that was, again, that was just another, it, Drew was very candy yesterday. And I don't mean, that's not a bad thing. But I, I like the candor in the press conferences. All right, let's preview this championship game. I have one more question I want to get to at the end of the show. Because it is important to note, this is Loyola's last Arch Madness. Rambler's going to the Atlantic 10 next year. I had people last night at the, at the Loyola Hotel, they were asking me, what do you think of the move? Well, if you think back when the move was announced, I am all for it. I think it's a great move. I'm gonna, that's probably going to be my last five minutes. Now, last five minutes, I'm going to talk about the A-10 move, but that's just an important storyline here is this is Loyola's last Arch Madness. That's just something to think about, and I'm sure it'll get brought up on the broadcast today. Again, CBS, Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner on the call. You've got a great, great crew. So Loyola Drake. This is the rematch of last year's conference championship And this year in the regular season, Drake beat Loyola twice. That means this is going to be the third time they'll play. And you know the old saying, it's hard to beat a team three times. I know the numbers and the metrics might say otherwise. But the old saying is, it's hard to beat a team three times. Drake's going to try and do that after playing the 830 game on Friday, which meant they played the late game last night and went to overtime. Let's jump in the Wayback Machine here. 2018, Loyola made the Final Four run, but to get to that Final Four run, they had to win Arch Madness. They were not going to be an at-large team because, again, 
that was the, the net was new or the RPI was still there. They weren't going to get in. They beat Illinois State pretty handily in that Arch Madness championship game. Anyone know what game Illinois State played in Friday night? They played in the 8:30 game that year. So now, Loyola, Arch Madness Championship, playing at a high level, taking on a Drake team that played in the 8:30 game on Friday. And on top of that, they played overtime last night in the late game. So that's a quick turnaround. So not only does Darren DeVries have to get his team ready for another game in three days, they have to get ready for a team that they've already played twice this year. And that's going to be something to keep an eye on, too, on tired legs. So I asked I asked Darren straight up. The old saying is beating a team three times is tough. What adjustments do you have to make? Here's what he said. Yeah, I think you you take things from both games, um, but kind of like every night, uh, every night's just a new game. That's what you know, what sports is. You just never know, you know, the direction a game's going to go. So, uh, you know, I think you you draw from you know what you did well and, and try to do some of those things, and but but continue to make adjustments as well. And you know, they added Kennedy back, and he's been playing terrific. He didn't play the last time we played him, so um, that brings a new dynamic uh, for them as well. So, um, you know. We'll, we'll take tonight, uh, you know, come up with a, as good a game plan as we can and, and then, uh, you know, toss it up tomorrow and see what happens. So that's what you heard from the coach that's getting ready to play his third game in three days and play a team he's already beaten twice. And he brought up the point they didn't have Kennedy the last time they played. Loyola didn't have Kennedy. Now Drake is down DJ Wilkins. And the kicker here, I couldn't ask Drew Valentine about DJ Wilkins not being there and the impact that makes because. We didn't know who Loyola was going to play. So that's what's at stake today, besides an NCAA tournament bid. Drake has a chance to beat a team for the third time this year and get through that 8.30 game on Friday and win the tournament. That's not easy to do. That 8.30 game is brutal. Trying to think when we finally got out of here on Friday night, and I want to say it was around 11:30. And then last night, I booked it out of the last press conference because I was I was starving. I got back to I got back to my hotel about nine. So let's think of that timeline. Let's and they didn't follow my schedule, but let's say they did. I'm just ballparking it. Let's say Drake got back to the hotel at 11:30. You got to prepare for the game Saturday. Let's say they got back to their hotel because they were the first press conference. So let's say 8.30 on Saturday. Get ready for the 1 o'clock game on Sunday. That means you have to sleep. That means you've got to get your fluids in you. That means you've got to run through your scouting. You've got to run through your walkthroughs. You've got to get your practice in. The odds are not in Drake's favor today. But maybe that's not a bad thing. But the big thing is, man, no DJ Wilkins makes such an impact on that rotation because DeVries plays his starters heavy minutes. This is where Loyola's depth is going to come in. You know the starting five. Knight, Williamson, Hall, Ugwak, Norris. 
Williamson and Norris are going to play big minutes. It's just the nature of how they are. They're going to play big minutes. That's okay. Off the bench, you've got Ryan Schwieger. You've got Tom Welch. You've got Marquise Kennedy. Loyola can play, and you've got Jacob Hudson if you want to. So Drew Valentine can feasibly play an eight to nine man rotation. Darren DeVries is probably going to have to play six at six, maybe seven. And six, the sixth is Darnell Brody if he wants to go big. But if Loyola goes small and Brody's out there, expect Loyola to push that tempo. Because if Loyola can get downhill, if they can play fast with Brody out there, that's a huge advantage. You're going to see a lot of fast breaks. At least I think so. I don't know what Drew Valentine's game plan is. I really don't. But if it's me, they need to keep doing what they've done the last two games. And I, I, Yes, I understand they've won the last two games. You, when, you, when I say that, you, you know what I mean. I'm not saying go out there and win like you did the last two games. No. When I say do what they did the last two games, I'm talking run that fast-paced offense. Pace, pace and space. Is, that was a big staple of Porter Moser. Space that floor. You can control the tempo of the game. There were times yesterday it looked like they were going to speed up and they'd slow down. Then they looked like they were going to slow down and speed up. The threes have to go in, especially if Drake goes with a zone, which is what Northern Iowa did yesterday in the second half. Northern Iowa went zone in the second half, and that was it was a brick fest for a while there. So you've got to be able to combat the zone. And that's where your three ball comes into play. Northern Iowa eliminated the paint yesterday. That's why Chris Knight didn't have any points. When you do that, you've got to rely on your three-point shooting. And Loyola yesterday, just for the record, 10 for 26 from beyond the arc. Four of them coming from Braden Norris, three of them from Ryan Schwieger. That's got to happen today, too. They've got to make their threes, and you have to make your free throws. I got five minutes left here. I do acknowledge here. So I tweeted before I came on the air that Lenardi doesn't have Loyola on the bubble anymore. They have him as the auto, he has him at the automatic qualifier, therefore not on the bubble. Uh, the account go underscore Ramblers. I wonder who their favorite team is. Replied, not sure I get your tweet here. Of course, we're not on the bubble team, or we're not a bubble team before an auto qualifier. No, my point is, my my point is that Lenardi thinks Loyola is going to win the game, therefore two bid Valley is out. That was my point with that tweet. And I thought, I even read it, and I'm thinking, I feel like I'm stating the obvious, but my point was, Lenardi projects a one-bid Missouri Valley. That was my point with that. Okay, I'm going to get back to this question from Steve Timble, because I promised I would. He said, will you miss the Valley? I know I'm deeply grateful for our time in the Valley, our being Loyola. This is an adjustment for me. I have made it known on the show. I've made it known on Twitter. My parents went to Illinois State. It's where they met. I grew up around Valley basketball. I lived 45 minutes from normal. Grew up around the Missouri Valley. Went to a Valley school in Loyola. This is going to be an adjustment going from the Valley to the Atlantic 10 because, and this, I'm sticking with the family theme here, my brother is a senior at George Washington right now. He graduates in May. He'll commission shortly thereafter. He's Navy ROTC. 
So we had that rivalry now in my house. That's just from a personal standpoint. But will I miss the Valley in terms of like talking about Loyola and the Valley? Yes, I will. Look, there's a reason I made this trip down here this weekend. There's a reason I decided it'd be fun to come back down here to St. Louis and see a bunch of people who I haven't seen in two years because I was here two years ago right before the world shut down. There's a reason I went over to the Loyola Hotel last night. The Valley has been amazing. And I also, even today, I'm doing this show from the Enterprise Center. I give credit to Mike Kern for helping me out, finding a place for me to do this show and where it be quiet and away from everything. I'm really surprised no one's come in here yet. The Valley has been so great, and I, I do have to give Mike a, a thank you again for giving this washed-up former beat writer a place on Press Row this weekend because I don't cover the Valley full-time anymore. I, I job it on three. We do a lot of Power Five because we're still building our brand a little bit. So I do this show, and that was a good way. Okay, I, we work remote. I can do my show from down here. The Valley has been fantastic to Loyola. I think it's been great to the program, having that patience. Remember, when they came in, it was rough. It was a rough product, but they had patience and things that are working out really well over the last few years. And I, I brought this up last night to somebody about UIC. The Valley needs to have the same patience with UIC that it did with Loyola, and I think it will. Moving to the Atlantic 10 is a great move. Higher profile, they've got big name teams. You play your conference tournament, no offense to St. Louis, you play your conference tournament, I believe, at the Barclays Center. It's going to be weird. It's weird seeing the Valley footprint now and seeing UIC up there instead of Loyola. But all in all, I think I think Loyola fans should be grateful for their time in the Valley. I know there's been people on Twitter from other schools. I didn't hear much of an MVC chant the other day. I thought Bradley fans were supposedly going to lead one. I barely heard it if I did hear it. But all in all, I think the experience in the Valley has been great for Loyola. And I know me as a student journalist, and now with what I'm doing it on three, the Valley has been great to me personally as from a media standpoint. It has been fantastic. The Atlantic 10 is a great move. I'm gonna, I am going to miss the Valley. I'm going to miss the Illinois State games down at Redbird Arena. I'm going to miss the Bradley rivalry. I'm going to miss the, the big battles with Drake and Northern Iowa. I'm going to miss the battles with Missouri State. I'm going to miss watching Loyola and Arch Madness because I've watched this tournament for a long time. It is the end of an era here after today, no matter what happens. And it's just one of the many storylines coming into this game. Loyola Drake coming up 1 o'clock from right here at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis on CBS. NCAA tournament appearance on the line. We're going to see what happens, who gets that automatic qualifier, or if Loyola loses, if we get a two-bid valley. That's going to be what we have to watch today. I am out of time. Thank you to everyone who wrote in and chimed in on the conversation on Twitter. Thank you to Mike Kern and the people at the Missouri Valley for helping set this up so I can do this show from here at the Enterprise Center at the Arch Madness Championship game. This is going to be a blast today. Tune into this game. Ken Palm predicts Loyola wins this game. I think Loyola wins this game as well. I don't think the odds are in Drake's favor. You're going to see what happens. Stay tuned to Twitter for updates throughout and commentary. I think it's going to be a fun day. So thank you, everyone, for joining me. Until next week, back in my regular spot at home. Stay safe, stay healthy. 
Get the vaccine when you can. I will talk to you next Sunday here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WUW 88.7 FM. Have an awesome week, everybody.